weeks, uh, we have been asking the why question, why, all right? Well, this is as a series. This is a why question series. Been exploring topics such as why values, why vision, why strategic planning. Been exploring how and why these issues are important as spiritual constructs, as well as life applications in the journey and process of becoming effective followers of Jesus Christ. Disciples who can disciple. Healed healers. Restored reconcilers. And kingdom of God proclaimers who can demonstrate the power of the age to come through the lives we live in our present day context. This is what Vineyard Theology would term inaugurated eschatology. Everyone say that, inaugurated eschatology. I'm going to do a test on those two words at the end of this and see how many of you remember what the second word is. Because uh, I have to look it up every time I think of what's that stinking word. So that is the now and the not yet of the age to come. As we live our day-to-day -day lives, as I spoke of last week, following in the steps of Jesus, who only did what? What he saw the Father doing, right? And where was the Father situated? Listen to the opening of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. This is Jesus speaking because it's written in red. Pray like this then. Our Father, where? Look at the screen. In heaven, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven, right? And this is, really is a key for us in our understanding of the spiritual dynamics of kingdom empowerment. First off, Jesus does not say, my Father. He says, our Father, Right? In other words, Father God has become as accessible to us as he was to Jesus while Jesus was here in the flesh. And secondly, we have access to location in heaven. Our Father in heaven. He wouldn't have given us that directive if it was not accessible. So the Apostle Paul right, says this in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So what's Paul telling us? Get heavenly minded. Why? Because it's the source of our life. It's the source of our empowerment. It's the source of our ability. It's the source of our dreams and visions and hopes, right? Get heavenly minded. Don't be dictated by the circumstances you see around you. Be dictated to by the spirit of the living God. Find out what Jesus is doing as he's doing what the Father's doing and do that. Have you been raised with Christ yet? First step, right? First big step. Acknowledge the saving work he accomplished by dying on the cross for our sin and embracing the life-giving power of the resurrection from the dead through the Holy Spirit. You can pray breakthrough prayers and heaven will respond and break into your situation, your need or your petition. And I just want to pause here and I just want to ask that question. Every week I'm going to ask this question. Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? 
Do you know him? Do you personally know? Do you have a deep, intimate relationship with him? If you don't, let's talk. Let's pray. Let's take those steps. It's really, really, really important. This is why we see healings happen, relationships restored, people delivered and set free from life bondages. None of us is a healer. None of us. None of us is a deliverer or a wonder worker. We are just conduits of God's faithful grace and loving kindness. And as conduits, we must keep the flow unimpeded by our own stuff to be most effective. In other words, judge yourself, the Bible says, lest you be judged, right? Take a good look at your own life in relationship with what you're seeing in heaven, right? Having values keeps us on the journey's path. Having vision directs us toward our end goals, and developing a strategic plan gets us there step by step. I looked on YouTube. I was looking to hopefully find a clip from What About Bob? Do you remember that movie, right? What's the doctor give him? Baby steps, right? But the scene was so darn goofy, I just, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But just think of Bob when you're thinking about taking your next steps, right? Baby steps. As I stated last week, having values and vision find their expression in having a plan. And a plan, a series of goals, find their fulfillment step by step, following in the steps of Jesus who followed in the Father's steps. I only do what I see the Father doing. And also following the steps of those who have followed the steps of Jesus, fulfilled their vision and found their purpose. Their lives can be like a roadmap for you to help us reach our goals through pastoring, coaching, mentoring, counseling, and encouragement. Steps, all steps that we can take. And here is a great question to ask yourself in any endeavor. What is my next step? What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I should do, right? The New Testament is emphatic enough about the process of following in the steps of the rabbi that the Apostle Paul can say with all confidence in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Do you see what he's doing? He's a follower, so you can follow him. He's faithful in his following, so you can faithfully follow him. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In his article, Why the Spiritual Disciplines Matter, written for the Ecclesia Network, Dr. Bob Hyatt states, while acknowledging no community is perfectly mature, I often think that the reason more communities are not more spiritually mature is because their leaders are not more spiritually mature. Right? That makes sense? Right? Well, why aren't they? Good question. Glad you asked it. Well, as Dallas Willard says, Dallas Willard points out in the spirit of the disciplines, while we want to react as Christ would react, behave as Christ would behave, and lead as Christ would lead, we are unwilling to do the things and practice the disciplines that he enabled him to react behave, and lead as he did. In other words, it costs something to live the life, right? 
Willard writes, we must learn to follow his preparations. The disciplines for life in God's rule that enabled him to receive his father's constant and effective support while doing his will. Programs and teaching series will not do half as much as good in a community as elders who transparently live their lives and their practices before a watching community. In other words, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, right? I believe that it is fairly apparent, at least I hope it is, that the pastors, elders, and leaders here at LRVC are both totally committed as well as deeply functional in the work of ministry that happens here as an expression of community in Christ to the community around us who may be looking for Christ. But more than that, the leadership team is dedicated to the task of promoting kingdom values. Vision casting towards kingdom goals and structuring a pathway of reasonable steps to follow to accomplish the purposes and callings of God that he has for us here as individuals and as a community. Here's a simply stated goal that we see as part of the larger picture of our LRVC vision. Disciples who make disciples. Disciples who make disciples. That's our vision. That's part of our vision here at LRVC. We want to make disciples who can make disciples. Right? Is that a good vision? I think it's a good vision. Yes, we want to make disciples who love to disciples others in how to disciple. Wow, that is awesome. I, I think it's just awesome. According to uh, author Derek Vreeland, that's with a V, Vreeland, who is also the discipleship pastor at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri, we learn the ways of Jesus by practicing them. Discipleship means joining God's mission of reconciliation on earth, not just saving souls for the afterlife. We are meant to follow Jesus, follow his teachings, follow his example. Jesus drew people to him. We are not meant to keep our faith to ourselves and live individually. We are meant to create more followers. Sounds like we're supposed to be in community. Hmm? So part of the process of achieving that has been the implementation of our grow groups. And many of you have been involved with the meetings. Some of the meetings have been highly impacting. Some have settled into a nice rhythm of fellowship and community building, and a few have struggled and even failed. As we have tracked these dynamics, discussed some of the feedback, and looked to see where it is the Father is going with this, and yes, the leadership team is in constant communication, discussion, and prayer about these groups because they came to us as an answer to prayer about how to move forward with discipleship. In our discussion time this past week, we felt it would be good to clarify one point because we feel a shift is coming in the fall. Isn't that a good word? A shift is coming. Don't you like to hear that? Change, change, change. Change is coming, a shift. Some of you are like deer in the headlights. Come on. Change is coming, yes, again. A shift is coming, yes, again, all right? It's just the constant. If that ever stops, go somewhere else because we're dying on the vine, okay? 
It is not the teaching content that is important or what makes the group of people grow. It is the gathering together as the body of Christ to worship Jesus, delve into his word together, and minister to each other in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that again to you. Okay. It is not the teaching content, okay, the stuff you're watching on video, the stuff we hand out, all the flyers each week. It is not the teaching content. Lost my place. Or what makes it is not the teaching content that is important, or what makes a group of people grow. It is the gathering together as the body of Christ to worship Jesus, delve into his word together, and minister to each other in the Holy Spirit, to feel safe enough with one another to be real and transparent about who you are and what burdens or rejoicings you carry and to love one another deeply as he has loved us. That's what makes us grow. And you could gather together and talk about the weather. But if you're gathering together in fellowship and pray together and minister together, the content is secondary. Yes, yes, yes. It's important to get into the word. But once you make a printed page the focus and not Jesus, then you become a Pharisee. And Jesus said to them, listen, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, and here I am, and you ignore me. Uh-uh, you can't do it. He's got to be the center, and Christ is in you, and Christ is in you, and Christ is in you, and he promised wherever two or more of you gather together, he's right there in the middle of it. And it doesn't matter what you're watching or hearing or reading. What matters is you've gathered in his name. And out of that, you can love one another and grow with one another and mature together and accomplish the works of the kingdom to come. Anyone know when, when the scriptures were um, made into the Bible? What year that was? What was it? No, that's when the first Bible was written. Three... 325 was, was that it? Anyway, so for 300 years, they had no printed page. When the saints gathered together, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a book. They didn't have an app, right? They had each other. Listen to me. They had each other for 325 years. That was the crux of the church. They had each other. Under severe persecution, they had each other. They told stories of the work of the Holy Spirit. And they, to they talked about Paul's letters from 200 years prior. They didn't have the book. They didn't have videos. They had each other. It is so important that you understand every time that you gather in a small group, you are the church. One of the added benefits of the church growth conference we attended that I mentioned last week was that the Vineyard Movement also provided a follow-up video gathering online every Thursday afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock 
uh, I get an email with a, a web address and go online and my screen would open up and there'd be a dozen other little blocks with faces and then the, the facilitator would be on the main screen and he'd introduce a guest and we would have a two-hour online class every week about some topic about church growth, uh, fellowship, all of that. Um, and some of these guys are like high-level theologians, uh, really, really good quality stuff. And uh, so I want to tell you about one of these classes. Um, one of the classes was on interrelational dynamics within a community, how, how we relate to each other, right? Okay. And this guy's name was Aaron, nice, nice young man. Uh, the teacher suggested five levels of relational commitment within a church community, and especially in small groups. So think, think you grow groups when, you, when you're hearing this, okay? Uh, the goal is to help individuals, especially new participants, to navigate step-by-step step from level one to at least a level four involvement with an occasional crossover into level five. So this is what the levels mean. Level one is, I am here, but don't expect much more from me than a hello. Okay, that's level one relational dynamics, right? How many of you have had those in your small groups, right? Yeah, no, I don't know. Don't have an answer. Pass, right? Pass. Yeah, my name is Dick. Pass, right? So we got those, right? Level two is, I'm here, and yes, things are okay. I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. That's about it, okay? Level three is, glad to be here. Things are getting a little tough at work. Having a hard time with my boss and one of my coworkers, but I'll work it out. It's okay, right? Level four is, the problem at work has really escalated. I think I messed up. Said the wrong thing, and now it's starting to affect my home life. Could you guys pray for me? See, what, what happened? It just crossed the line, didn't it? Level four crosses the line to being vulnerable to being transparent, to asking for input. It's, it's saying, I can't stand alone anymore. I need you. I need you, okay? Level five crosses over into the deeper personal issues and root causes of why the things of level four have happened. I got so angry at my boss, I just exploded and said things I shouldn't have. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. I sounded just like I remember my dad sounding. Oh, oh. Theophostic moment, right? I mean, that's level five. That's a, don't try to live there. It's only a place that you visit, because right? it's, it's really way too much, right? But, but you have to be able to go there. You have to be able to, to embrace people who have just tripped into level five, right? Because that's what Holy Spirit ministry is all about, getting into the deeper places of the heart. I could really use some help. I could really use some help. Small groups function best when the majority are at level three and willing to be vulnerable enough to cross over into level four without hesitation and secure enough with the group to take the risk of level five in order to grow and mature. You got a group like that? That's a really good group to be in, okay? And we've got some. So Martha and I are, are not part of a group. Isn't that good leadership? <laughs> and, and we chose uh, intentionally to do that. That, that. The leadership team decided we ought to do that. And we go around, we visit groups. We'll sit in on a group and share. And 
or like this week we're filling in because Katrina's down uh, doing the youth conference down in Philadelphia, right? So we'll cover for her, right? So we had been invited to a particular group and uh, a guy, the couple that are hosting had opened their home. The guy is really new. His wife has been a Christian for quite a while, but it's new for him. And um, he said, well, would you, would you open in prayer? And he said, well, oh, uh, no, um, ah, no. I, I, I wouldn't know what to pray. And so the week before, it had been on the Lord's Prayer. I said, well, why don't you pray the Our Father? No, no. I've never done that before. I'll pass. Thank you. So that, that's about as far as I felt should press on that and let it go, right? So we get into the meeting and some uh, just some dialogue going on and some questions being asked. And uh, I start giving some, some answers to some questions, some uh, Kingdom of God theological insights, da-da-da-da, and a couple of my little missionary stories. And I can see this guy's eyes are like this, like, oh. And uh, we get to a point that goes around, the questions being asked, goes around the room, and it comes to him. And all of a sudden, this guy, who started off at level one, answers the question at level three. I mean, he jumps into it, right? Just, oh, this is all new to me, but, you know, this is really fascinating. I'm really excited to begin this. I'm learning some new stuff. Never heard any of this. You know, I grew up as a kid, Catholic church. As soon as, you know, was done with that, never looked back. This is really a new experience for me, but I really like what I'm hearing tonight. And then all of a sudden he says, and my dad, you know, he left when I was really young, so I never had a father figure in the home growing up from the time I was like eight and like he's now in level five land right and from level one he jumps to level five and he finishes this way so listen do you think you could mentor me wow wow I want to follow Jesus I want to take the next step. I was blown away. You know, just blown away. He most likely would never have come to that moment in a larger Sunday setting. You really have to be mature in this setting allow yourself to be that vulnerable here, right? But in the small group setting, he was able to see the value of having a spiritually mature man speak into his life. He caught a vision of what that could mean for his life and for his own family. Then he took the risky step of asking for what he needed in order to take the next step toward maturity in Christ. That happens in small group. That happens in grow group, okay? And it's not about a video. It's not about your stack of papers. It's about you guys loving one another and making an environment that says, hey, I'm safe here. These people love me. I can share my deepest heart, right? And then ministering the Holy Spirit to that. So let me ask you this. 
Did you work on your journey map this week? Have you discovered how many steps you've already taken, or more importantly, what your next step should be? Anyone bring back their journey map from last week? Oh, Bob, I love you, man. <laughs> it's so cool. So you got a journey map in this week's bulletin, too. Right? So pull out your journey maps. And anyone who doesn't have a journey map in their bulletin or one from last week, you can put your hand up, and we will get one to you. Okay, who's going to? Eliana, come here. Keep your hands up. Anyone with their hand up, give them one of these, okay? Got to put your hand way up because she's short. Anyone else? Anyone else? <coughs> Thank you, sweetie. So just because we call our small groups grow groups doesn't mean we will only do grow classes. Right, that's the video you've been watching, Grow Classes. Okay. The Father is rich in his diversity, and there are new treasures for us to partake of in the months and years to come. As a matter of fact, some of them are already in process for this coming winter season. I mean, we have some really good stuff in store for this winter. But in the meantime, the greater task is to love one another, right? Yes. Encourage one another and help each other grow in Christ. Remember, it is the people that make up the group in Grow Group. People make the group, okay? So I want to look at the, the box on the lower left on your journey map. The start of the journey, and we see uh, four items in that box that are all part of and actually crucial for a successful Christian journey. The first, of course, is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And what does that look like? In simplest terms, it is as Paul states in Romans 10, 9, and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, that doesn't mean you have to pray out loud uh, specifically the Billy Graham uh, salvation prayer, all right? My salvation prayer was simply this, looking at the ceiling, because that's where God hangs out when you don't know him, right? <laughs> I just finished a book uh, about martyrdom within Judaism, and, and the famous uh, last words of and this is historically accurate, of many Jews who are martyred is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. And I looked at the ceiling and I said, You know, if you exist, I would want to know you that way so that my last breath would be about you. Right? Right? Two days later, 
without a lot of fanfare, other than getting me out of a, what I felt was a sticky situation, I prayed a sinner's prayer. But I think my salvation prayer was looking at that ceiling, because that's where my heart spoke from. Okay? That was the beginning of where I am today, looking at the ceiling for God I couldn't see and inviting him to make himself known to me. My heart yearned for what my eyes could not see, and my mouth asked for it. That's what Paul just said. Okay. So that's step one. It's always step one. You see, the Savior part is the easy part because it is by God's grace. Jesus accomplished everything necessary for your salvation. You just have to receive it as a free gift from God. Out of your mouth, from your heart. Any takers today? Any takers? It's the Lord thing that most often trips us up, right? Savior and Lord. Oh, well, now you're getting personal, right? <laughs> but in his wisdom and generosity, God adds the next three steps as blessings. So in the block, you'll see... Uh, Water baptism, spirit baptism, and participating in taking communion. So communion, which is our topic next week, so I won't go into uh, too deep into, into it, but essentially it's all about a new covenant between God and you. Okay, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood, right? the new and everlasting covenant. He paid the price as the Lamb of God. He was a sacrifice for the sin he never committed. It was your sin and my sin, right? And in that, he made a covenant with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you feel backslidden or distant from him, remember, he always upholds his covenant you can't go far enough away from him that he's not within arm's reach. That's communion. Then the following week, we'll be discussing water baptism and offering an opportunity later in the day at the picnic uh, to take a step of identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through full immersion and public testimony, as the Apostle Paul states in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that is what water baptism symbolizes, that water, that lake, that little... Uh, Baptismal tank up there, for all intent and purposes, becomes a grave. You go in under that water fully immersed, you are being immersed into the death of Jesus Christ. And when you come up, you come up by the power of the resurrection into newness of life. Okay? Now, sometimes spectacular things happen. I mean, you read the scriptures, you know, when the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized, when he come up, all of a sudden, Philip vanishes from his sight, transported to another city 200 miles away. Right? 
I mean, that's pretty spectacular, right? Wow, something spiritual just happened, right? I can remember, I've told this story years ago. I was part of a Pentecostal church down in Massachusetts, and uh, there was a woman who had, an older woman, she had been hit by a car while getting her mail out of the mailbox, went to the hospital, and uh, get that. And just as she recovered, was able to walk again, she goes out to get the mail and gets whacked again. Right? Second time. And it so shattered her hip that there was a two-inch gap between her leg and her hip bone. There was no connection at all. She was in a wheelchair, and um, she, she wanted to be water baptized. So uh, we made arrangements, found a church near her, uh, got to use the baptismal tank, wheeled her up there, and then lifted her out of the chair, and fully immersed her in the tank, right? And baptized her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When she came up out of the water, she leapt right up out of the tank and ran the aisle back and back, right? Full speed, totally healed, right? So the pastor says, listen, you go to the doctor and get x-rays because you got x-rays that the hip is not connected, right? So she went and got x-rays. Guess what? It still wasn't connected. But she was still walking without pain. I don't know how that works. But she wasn't living her own life anymore. She so wanted to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that something from above happened to her down here. As in heaven, it happened on earth, and it happened in her. I, I, I don't know that they ever had an explanation for her other than she, had, she didn't live her own life anymore. Christ lived through her. See, what a wonderful step to take, right? She kept on stepping. Then, of course, there is that wonderful personal Pentecost moment uh, that Luke 11.13b talks about. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask that moment? Oh, that wonderful moment. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and just like it was at water baptism, every part of you is completely immersed, only this time, both inside as well as outside, you are all at once both covered and filled both covered and filled with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and your whole life, your whole world is turned right side up. Right side up, because we've all been living upside down for too long. Right? Those are all first steps. First steps, the first block. Have you made those steps today? So where did you land on your map today? You check off the ones you've done. Go ahead, take your map and check off the ones you've done. Now look at the next thing. That's your next step. It might be a baby step. It might be a mature step. But it's a next step. It's a way to move on. And it's a way that this community understands. So you can be in your small group and say, listen, you know, i got to get this next step. I haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. You know, we got ministry time at the end of the group. I would love to take that step. They could pray with you, you know, and that could happen. It could happen for you. That next step could happen for you. Right? Pay attention over the next weeks and see 
if there is a next step that you can take in as we are on this faith journey together. And maybe today. Maybe today. Maybe the Holy Spirit you know, will do for one of you like he did for that woman. Just something right out of heaven's gate. Touch your life. Take you to a next step. Let's stand together and invite the Holy Spirit to meet us here today. We invite you.